Well, my name is Pastor Cooper. Uh, glad you guys are with us this morning. I'm associate pastor here at CFC, and I'm honored to be speaking uh, in this Advent series as we take some intentional time to, to focus our hearts and minds on Jesus. Uh, that during this Christmas season, it's, it's not just about the, the gifts and the good food, that it's really about centering who we are on the true gift of Christmas, and, and that's Jesus. And it seems like the corny phrase, right? Jesus is the reason for the season. But really, truly, we want to just focus our hearts and minds on who Christ is and the true gifts that he has given us through his hope and his love and his joy and his peace. But we also live in America. <laughs> we live in 2021. And I feel like right now is a time when the commercials are really like pumping out and they're kind of like funny and corny, especially when it comes to like perfume commercials. I don't know if you've seen them. They're, they're weird. It's always some celebrity like Julia Roberts, something like that, like floating across a chasm of like diamonds and like unicorns and then like flower petals. And then all of a sudden it just like goes to this bottle of perfume. And it's like, oh, and you're like, what did I just watch? Like, this is weird, right? And then when it comes to like the, all the K jewelers and stuff like that, it, like it's massive hints. Massive hits are being dropped to like propose, where it's always like, hey, this season, wink, wink, you should buy a ring, wink, wink, so you can really show your love, wink, wink. And it's just like, all right, if you're not getting it, like this is the hint for a lot of those, those boyfriends that just need to propose um, with that. But what we also see is during this time, a lot of the theme of love um, starts to kind of happen more and more when we see it in commercials. There's a lot of like family gatherings that you'll see in commercials and like these themes of just trying to bring like that really warm hearted feeling um, during this holiday season. And I, th I think it makes sense um, when, when we see that because there's a lot of good things during this, this time. It's really a longer time to, to be with family and friends. We, we give gifts to each other. So there's, there's quality time. There's giving of gifts. There's probably words of affirmation. There's acts of service. Like really like those love languages that we all thrive in really happen um, during this time. And so there's a lot of this love, this theme of love um, that happens during the, the, the Christmas season. Well, this, this morning, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the second week of Advent, which is based in the word of love. Um, last week, we talked about hope. Um, we lit the prophet's candle, where it's, it's the prophets were hoping for the Messiah. We know that hope's been fulfilled, but we're also still hoping and waiting for Christ to come back again. But we lit that. Um, and then this morning is the Bethlehem candle, which is, represents love, because love came down to that little town of Bethlehem when Christ was born. And so we light the candle, the, the, the Bethlehem candle, to, to be reminded of God's good and God's great love. And um, I think we, we, we generally know the truth that God loves us. John 3.16 is a very well-known verse. Even last week, my dad and I were watching the Ohio State and Michigan game, and in the end zone was the guy like, John 3.16, you know, like it's, it's there in our culture. We know that for God's love of the world that he gave his one only son. But sometimes we can maybe lose the real heart behind it. We just say, oh yeah, God loves me. But it's good to just quiet our hearts a little bit, recenter who we are, and just take a moment to truly recognize that God loves us. And at Christmas, when we talk about Jesus being born, that is truly the greatest act of love the world has ever known. 
And so it's good to just pause for a little bit and to take that truth in. It's not just a baby that was born and he was a really cool philosopher that had a lot of good moral teachings. This is the promised hope that the world had been waiting for, the promised savior of all mankind that we needed so desperately since death and darkness entered our world back in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3, when when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, peace was rattled, joy was stripped, love was shaken, and hope was kind of deferred. The enemy had won the day, he had won that battle. But in Genesis 3, a very significant thing was said by God to the enemy, to to Satan himself. This is like a a Cooper paraphrase, so don't quote this exactly. But but God tells Satan, like, hey, you're going to be a pain in the butt to my creation. Like, you're going to bite the heel of man. Like, you're going to cause strife and enmity, and it's it's not going to be easy. But soon, I'm going to send a seed that's going to crush you. Like, you're going to be done. It's going to be over. Your reign of terror and darkness is going to just be done for. So just wait. Like, you have not won. You just think you did, but you, you haven't. So we fast forward to the little town of Bethlehem. This is that seed being born. This is the snake crusher being born. He was brought into this world to end the reign of terror of the enemy and to be the promised hope for all mankind. But for this to happen, it took a great act of love. It took God to send his only son to the earth to be born as a man, experience the hardships of life, and to willingly lay his life down for the sins of the world. And the town of Bethlehem is where true love is born, where the greatest gift of all time was given. And we, as God's created, as his creation, have the ability to receive this gift of love, but also to give this gift of love. So let's go ahead and pray right now as we dive into this conversation. Lord Jesus, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts with gratitude and um, just amazement and how good your love is. Like we sang earlier this morning, how great is your love and, and just again, we just give you thanks in that, Lord. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds this morning um, to be open to your spirit working um, and just our, our, our recognition of that love but also how we can be ambassadors of that love and to carry that love outwardly to a lost and hurting world, and to people around that are hard to love and hard for us to love and maybe even our enemies. So Lord, work on our hearts this morning. We praise your name, amen. Well, when, when love came down to Bethlehem, the world didn't really understand what was happening, the full sense of this great act of love that God now dwelt among us, Emmanuel, God with us. There, there, there was a few people who got it. Obviously, Mary and Joseph, they, they got it. Like the angel came to them, they're like, here's the plan. And they're like, yep, because we just gave birth and it's, it's happening. Like they knew. Zechariah and Elizabeth, Simeon and Anna, the shepherds, there was, there was a group of people that understood and got the grasp of like, wow, the Savior's been born, the Messiah is here, like, God is here. They got it. And there was, you know, they, they, they told some other people, and it probably spread a little bit, but the message might have been lost a little tiny bit, you know. 
But it wasn't like this massive Twitter feed, and it was like everybody was like, yes, the Messiah is here. Really, what we know from the gospel accounts as Jesus grows up is Israel, that the, the world was against it. They're like, you're not God. Like, who are you? Like, you can't forgive our sins. You're just a man. You're not the Messiah. They didn't even recognize this. They really rejected it. They rejected that the Messiah had come. They didn't recognize that Jesus is the one who would take their sins away, the one that would truly save them. They rejected him as God incarnate, so much so that they wrongfully killed him. But that was part of the plan. That, that, was, that was part of this. Israel was waiting for a Messiah, but they were waiting for a Messiah that they thought they wanted. Someone strong, mighty, politically minded, who would really like overthrow the Roman government and reestablish Israel back to its world power state. That's what they were looking for. That's what they wanted. Jesus did not fit that bill, didn't fit that vision for them. And so they were against who Jesus was. But this makes sense for Israel at the time because they were in rebuild mode. They were rebuilding their government and their like kind of identity as a nation during this time. What we, what we commonly know as the 400 years of silence is yes, like God did not directly speak through a prophet to his people during that time, but God was still doing stuff. There was things happening and occurring, but most importantly is Israel was kind of abandoning God during that time. They were allowing again, which is not a shocker, just if you read the Old Testament, the slipping of their faith, they're allowing the pagan cultures, the outside world to infiltrate who they were and, and their culture. And this, at this time, it was the Hellenistic Greek culture. Really, Alexander the Great kind of instituted it in to Jerusalem, and they kind of adopted a lot of those practices, so much so that they abolish um, the Jewish faith, no more Sabbath, no more circumcision. They don't allow sacrifices and around 160 AD, they even have this, this time where they go into the Holy of Holies of the temple in Jerusalem, put a temple of Zeus up in the Holy of Holies. They say, hey, you can't sacrifice to your God, you know, to our God, but you can't do your sacrifices. You only have to use pigs, which to the Jewish faith, that's a no-no. Pigs are unclean. If they even touch one, they have to go through a whole ceremony to be clean again before God. So the pagan culture was like, basically, we're going to desecrate your faith. We're going to abolish it. It's not good. And there were Jews who were against that, and they were martyred, and they were killed. But then around 160 AD, Judas Maccabeus leads this revolt against the ruling state. And through a ton of revenge and murder, and like literally probably one of the coolest movies, if they made one, like to happen, occurs. And they reestablish their identity. And they're like, all right, we're back. Like, we're, we're solid. They rededicate the temple. They make it a thing. But then again, slowly, they kind of slip in their faith a little bit. And then our good friends, the Romans, they're starting to like rise up in power. They swoop in. They're like, Jerusalem, yeah, let's take that city over. They take it over. But this time, they don't desecrate the temple. They actually allow the Jews to still practice their faith because they want to win the hearts and minds of the people they're conquering. But there's still this Roman rule over it. And so for about 60 years, from about 60 BC to right when Christ is born, the Romans have been in rule. And they've been kind of putting their thumb on the Jews. So it makes sense that the Jews are looking for a Messiah that is going to be politically minded, is going to be a devout Jew, like follow the law to the letter and be like a Pharisee, essentially, 
but also like a Pharisee who's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like who would like, you know, I'm taking over, but I don't know what the accent would be back then, but you get the picture. But what was promised and what they forgot, what they didn't recognize is in all of the prophecies, Jesus, the Messiah, is to be humble, was going to be meek, was going to be the sacrificial lamb that would take the sins of the world away. Not be this Arnold Schwarzenegger Pharisee. It was completely the opposite. What we recognize from looking back now in hindsight, but that they didn't recognize was the world needed love. The world needed Jesus. And this truth applies to us right now in 2021. It applies in 1000 AD. It applies in 1960. It applies constantly. The world needs love. The world needs Jesus. We don't need to be more moral to try to like rise above everything. We need to submit to King Jesus. We need to undercome, we need to come underneath his rule and his reign and allow him to lead us. Our memory verse for this week plays well into this and I have to ask for your love right now because in the journal, I put the wrong verse (laughs) for our memory verse. Uh, Put it up there for me, Tracy. It's John 1, 17. It's the right content in the journal, but I just made it 118. <laughs> so cross out the eight and put a seven, and you're going to be good. You're going to be good. So my apologies to those who are like, wait, this is not the right verse. Who is this pastor? Well, I had a slice of humble pie this week with some whipped cream on it, and it was really good. Um, but so, yeah. So. But John 1.17 says this, for the law was given through Moses... That's like the Jewish faith, the Jewish tradition. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. See, love was really shown and displayed through Jesus. God created the world. He created you and me. He knows what we need. He knows that. He knows the deeper issue at heart, and that's love. And love to reestablish that relationship between us and us. And God, our Heavenly Father. We're not talking about the ooey-gooey love from the cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies. We're talking about the self-sacrificing, hope-giving, joy-inducing, peace-instilling love that only comes from the Father through Jesus. It's the greatest showing of love the world has ever seen or heard. It's it's the agape love, as, as the Greek says it. And, and Tim Mackey, a theologian and pastor um, and oversees the Bible project, he coins it as enemy-embracing love. That's what God showed to us. And I think it plays well into Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. There's been great displays of love throughout our history Bruce Willis and the asteroid and Armageddon is up there, and that's pretty good. But nothing that actually changes the complete destiny, the eternity, and the outlook of all mankind. This love that God has given changes outcomes that seem impossible. Murderers to saints, we see that in the life of Paul. Uneducated fishermen to world-class leaders who lead a revolution, we see that in the life of Peter. Hopeless widows to matriarchs of royal lineage. See that in Ruth. 
rich, proud, and overbearing Pharisees to humble, selfless servants of God's good gospel. See that Nicodemus. The world needs love, and God has given us and shown us his love through Jesus. And as humans created in God's image, we, we know this, but we also need to like know this and get down into those deeper parts that God loves us. And he sent his son because he loved us. As humans, we are created to receive God's love so that we can also reciprocate God's love. Give it outwardly. Keep it going. The greatest commandment, like Pastor Mark was saying earlier, is to love God and to love people. That's what it really boils down to. And we see in the the gospel accounts, when people really get the bigger picture of who Jesus is, that, that he is God's love on display, and that he has forgiveness, and he has hope, and, he, and there's joy, and there's peace in him. There's this great sense that you notice in the gospel accounts of relief and awe and peace. There's like a settledness to the heart in these people. I think like what Paul says in Romans 5.1 is so true. He says, therefore, since we, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. We are now settled with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Because of God's unfailing love and the fulfillment of this promise through Jesus, our hearts are settled. And we look in our culture and every advertisement, every weird perfume commercial and jewelry commercial and all that stuff is trying to at least attempt to settle your heart. Like, if you had this, everything will be okay. If you have this brand new car that has all the features, man, your commute is going to be awesome. It's like, (laughs) our hearts are not settled until we have settling with the Heavenly Father through Jesus. We're going to continue to search and look and try to find, but it's not until we recognize the love of God through Jesus that our hearts are settled. In Luke chapter two, we see Simeon at the temple. So Mary and Joseph, they have Jesus. He's eight days old. They bring him in there to be dedicated. And Simeon recognizes, whoa, that's the Messiah. And he, he's, he's impacted. He, he witnesses God's love on display, even as a little baby. And he is at peace. He is settled. The woman caught in adultery later on in Jesus' life, broad daylight, going to get murdered in front of a bunch of people. Jesus steps in. Man, there's hope in her life. She recognizes, whoa, like nobody's ever shown me this love before. Her heart is settled. The shepherds, joy, right? In the fields, their hearts are overcome with joy and they're overflowing with joy. Their hearts are settled because they've been in impact. They've been impacted by the love of God, knowing that the Messiah is here, the one to take away our sins. This is all because of what occurred in Bethlehem on the night Jesus was born. Love was brought into the world that would restore our broken relationship with our heavenly Father. And that promised hope that he promised way back in Genesis chapter three has now been fulfilled. Like darkness, your reign of terror is over. Like it's gone. The snake crusher is here. Like, we have hope. We have joy because of that. We have peace. In the ministry of Jesus, 
he famously says, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. He means that. He's not just saying like a good gesture of like, hey, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. He's like, no, your hearts are not settled. There's things that are happening that you're looking to other places to be fulfilled in, but come to me. Like, I will take away your sins. I will fill that void. I will bring the hope and the love and the joy and the peace that you truly need and are desiring for. This only happens when we truly receive this love. When we say yes to Jesus, when we say, I recognize Jesus as my savior. So the gift of God's love needs to be received. It needs to be taken in. And I think the shepherds, they could have maybe rejected that, that, that message out in the field. It could have been like, well, that's good, but we got some sheep to take care of. And that was a weird visual thing. I had spicy food, so who knows if that was real or not. Like they could have had a lot of excuses but instead, they were like, no, yes, that is true. Like, the Messiah has been born, the Savior is here, and they just leave their job, and they just go. The, the woman caught in adultery, she maybe could have run away in shame. I mean, it's broad daylight. She's in a very vulnerable position. She could have been like, oh, another guy, like, oh, and just run away, because she feels like, I'm not good enough for anything. And she could have run away in shame. But instead, she saw Jesus and saw the love that he had. And she realized, that's what I need. God knew and knows this wouldn't be perfect, that we would reject it, that we would spit in his face, defame him, turn our back on him. Doesn't change who God is, though. God is love. He is faithful and just to forgive. His love is unfailing. His love is sacrificing and without condition. So I think it kind of brings us to, a, to a, an area of like, where are we at with God's love today? Like, where are you at as an individual, as, as a human being on this world with God's love? Are you in a place of, of shame from maybe a past or a present, thinking like, there's no way God will love me or could love me. There's, there's things that, man, I, I did that are unlovable. Like, that's not good. Are you beat down? by circumstances. This is family time when it comes to Christmas. And it's like family time, like no, my family is not showing me any love. Like I do not like going to my family because there's no love there. And it's, it's scarred me, it's hurt, it hurts. Maybe, maybe you're scared about even the word of love. You said, I've, I've given my heart out before and it got crushed. It sucks, it's painful. Like love from God? Uh, I'm gonna take a rain check on this. But know this, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. God will continue to pursue and love you as long as you live. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you will do, neither height nor depth will separate you from the love of God. We simply need to receive that and acknowledge it. It's up to us to respond to this truth that God loves us and God cares for us and God will be a part of our life. I know for, for me, there was a season in my life when, when I knew that God loved me. I understood that. I've grown up in the church, youth group, all those things. Like I, I, I knew it. But I was still ashamed of some stupid, sinful habits in my life. 
that I continued to just be entrenched in and hide from other people. But it came this moment to acknowledge this, this lifestyle and this sin, confess my sins, and I was like, no. Like, I know that God loves me, but like, if I say this, like, no. Like, I'm a, no, no. But then it came to a point where I just gave my heart, and it's vulnerable, right? And it's scary to be vulnerable. It's not easy. It's not a natural tendency for us to be vulnerable. But when we say, Lord, here's my heart, we just give it over, there is truly, truly a weight that is lifted. There is truly this sense that you can't even describe where hope is instilled, peace is instilled, joy is instilled, and you feel like a brand new person. Wow, the love of God. It's real, it's evident. And he is true to always be a part of loving you as his creation. God will never stop loving you. It's not, it's not in his nature to stop. It's against who he is. So if anything this morning, know this, that, that God loves you, God forgives you, and God is waiting for you. That's why when we talk about Jesus at Christmas, that it's the best gift, it's because it really is. It's what we all are striving for and are looking for is that settleness in our hearts. And it's the greatest gift because God's love is shown through Jesus. And as humans, we need love. We need this. We need Jesus. And so when we receive this gift, we are also called to give this gift. And not like a secret Santa gift exchange, but to do it with boldness. John, in his letter to the church in 1 John chapter 4, says this in verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, which is by sending his only son to die for us willingly, we surely, we as in people who claim Jesus, the church, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. We love best when we know what love is. And if we say, I know the love of Christ, then let's live that out. Let's truly live that out. So people who have never known God would see the full expression of God's love brought by the church. We're human though, and we mess up. It's not easy. A lot of times our selfish desires get in the way and our emotions and all those things. But John puts it pretty plain and clear. If you know God's love, then you should carry that out. You love God and you love people. We're in a divisive time. It's hard. There's a lot of opinions. We're called to love people. And as Christians, we should be the best at loving our enemies but again, we're human and we get messed up. We get caught in our emotions. Jesus was also in a very divisive time. Right after he was born, Herod ordered a mass execution of all young boys in Bethlehem. That's pretty divisive. <laughs> he survived out of that. The Pharisees were the ruling power and they had their thumb on people very, very hard. Very, very divisive. 
challenge to the status quo was met with hostility. Jesus came, he spoke the truth, but he backed it up with self-sacrificing love. He loved his enemy, he went to the cross for his enemy, regardless of their past or their future. We are called to live this out. And this week of Advent, the week of love, should bring us to a place to receive this, to respond to it, to help us restore creation back to its Father. So I have three things for us. Receive God's love. Truly acknowledge God's love. Recognize it. And then from that, respond with love to others. A response from this reception should be to give out love and to love well and to love our enemies. And that helps us restore creation back to the Father, to restore his creation back to the heart of the Father, which settles the heart. There's this symbiotic relationship in the life of a Christian with the receiving and giving of God's love, hope, joy, and peace. We take it in, but we give it out. And it just continually happens round and around and around. So this Advent season, we, we kind of focus, and we, you'll see this in the journals, and maybe you already recognize it, that we have this, this one reading that's all about receiving love or receiving hope. The other re- reading is about giving love or giving hope, and each week we do that. That's because we really want to walk this out well. We want to live this out and not just take it in, take it in, take it in. Luis Palau, he's a famous evangelist, worldwide evangelist. He kind of has this funny phrasing that he uses when it comes to the gospel, but also just the life of a Christian. He puts an analogy of manure. (laughs) He's like, manure is good, like it helps things grow. But when you pile it up in one big thing, it's just a big pile of crap, right? Like we're, we're called to spread it out. When we spread it out, that's what helps life flourish, like your garden to grow and you know, fields to grow. And so when we have the love of God, let's not pile it up. Let's spread it out. Let's give it out. It's going to get messy and stinky, right? You're going to have to get in there when you love people and get in there and it's going to be stinky. It's not easy to mess. It's not easy to love people. There's hard people to love. We're hard people to love. (laughs) It goes both ways. But God is not afraid of crap. He sent his son to be born in a barn full of it. He knows it's gonna be messy, but he still chooses love. As we have received love, we need to give love out as well. So the Bethlehem candle, this week of love, should remind us that God's love is greater than the mess we were born into. We're in the circumstances around us. We need to receive that and freely give that to others. Like Mark mentioned earlier, we have this Christmas tree and it's open for ornaments to be placed on there and to, for people to process things and write things out and to hang it on there. And so I wanna give some space in our service. I wanna pray for us, but um, if you maybe think about like, huh, yeah, there's somebody in my life right now that is really hard to love. I'm gonna write their name down. That's gonna be my like, kind of commitment to love them well. I'm gonna hang it on that tree. And I'm gonna, whenever I come into church, I'm gonna re- see that ornament and say, that's right. This person, I'm called to love them. I'm called to love them and care for them. To have that self-sacrificing love towards them. Or maybe it's 
you write some things that you're thankful for that like, man, God's love is amazing. Like, I've gone through so much. He has pursued me. He has saved me. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever it might be to, for you to process through this, but I think it's healthy to write some things out and kind of put it out in the open, to have it jump from your heart and your mind out in the open for that. So I want, I want to pray for us. And then um, after service, feel free to come up. There's some little uh, ornaments and there's some Sharpie pens and you can just do your thing. You can take time if you want. You can sit in a chair, whatever you want to do. Um, but I want to just encourage you guys to, to be a part of that and to just um, process through that. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, as we take a moment in our lives to just settle our hearts and to focus and just to talk about your love, we just respond with, with gratitude and thanks that even while we were your enemies, while we were sinners, you sent your son to die for us because of your great love. That it's through Jesus your love is displayed and shown. We give you thanks for that, Lord. And God, right now, I just, through your Holy Spirit, want to just pray for those of us that are still in a hard place when it comes to this conversation of love. Whether it be from our circumstances of our own doing or from others' doing. Lord, just bring an extra sense of your love to us that are processing through that that we would know that you truly love us and that your great love was, was shown during Christmas and that we can mark this season of life to be reminded that you love us, you care for us, and that nothing will separate us from your love. That through that love, you have conquered the enemy, you've conquered the grave, and we have true life because of that great act of love and you sending your son. And Jesus, for, for those of us that are right in the middle of a hard relationship, right in the middle of a hard context, Lord, even for myself in the middle of a hard context, help us to love well. Help us to recognize what it means to be givers of your love, not just takers, but to have a heart of forgiveness, a heart of love, and of a self-sacrificing love. And so God, we just come before you in this moment and allow your Holy Spirit to minister to each one of us. We're all going through different things and in different circumstances, but Lord, you are true and you know exactly what's happening. So Jesus, we just submit to that. We submit to your love and we're thankful for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.